Chapter Five of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The curious state of society in which we exist, and the complex causes and effects which it comprises: the fictitious, the factitious, the unreal, the unnatural relations which it establishes between man and man, are always producing unexpected results and events which no one can rightly account for because no one can trace all the fine lines which connect one piece of the complicated machinery with another it must have often struck every thinker who gathers up the passing events and marks the impression which they produce upon the world at large that matters often of great moment will excite little or no attention will be slurred over in newspapers pass without comment in society be hardly heard of beyond the narrowest possible circle round the point at which they take place while mere trifles will set rumours thousand tongues a-going men and women will interest themselves with eager anxiety about things that do not affect them in the least and half the world will be on fire as to whether a feather was blown to the right or the left the basest political scheme that ever was practised for depriving a queen of hope happiness and power and a great country of its independence will excite far less attention and curiosity than the disappointment of one's priest's ambition and the compensation of another priest's unmerited persecution when first my attention was directed to this subject i said a cannon fired in an open country cannot by any chance produce such terrible results as a spark in a powder-mill it is not the event itself that is important but the things with which it is connected that make it so but i soon became convinced that this explanation though specious was not true at least that there was something more that whenever anything made a great noise it must connect itself by some of the many hooks and pulleys of society with some of the loud tongues in high places by high places i do not mean elevated stations but positions in which men can make themselves heard some newspaper scribe one of the things in parliament assembled a popular preacher a mob orator is either interested in the matter directly or indirectly immediately or remotely or else has nothing else to do and wants a hobby and the whole affair is made the talk of the town in short it were endless to search out arrange and classify the infinite variety of causes which may render any event notorious or consign it to speedy oblivion though it may rend the hearts ruin the fortunes desolate the prospects and destroy the peace of all within a certain little circle the forgery upon mr scriven made little or no noise in the great world the first investigation at bow street was fully reported in one or two of the morning newspapers some others which had no reporters of their own abridged it from their esteemed contemporaries others declared there were no matters of public interest at bow street that day because they had not room to report more than the donations of five pound notes to the poor box the receipt of which had been requested to be acknowledged but the event was a terrible one in the midst of those more immediately interested mr scriven pursued the inquiry into the facts with a fierceness and a virulence 
which had not before appeared in his nature and undoubtedly mr haley himself might have fallen into danger had not many little circumstances some accidental some skilfully prepared combined to fix the guilt upon the innocent as an instance of one of those accidents which served to shelter him i may mention that upon the examination of his servants one of the footmen deposed and deposed truly that three or four days before henry's disappearance mr haley had been eagerly inquiring if any one had found a piece of stamped paper a draught in short and seemed very uneasy about it mr scriven admitted that haley had told him he had drawn upon him and that he had refused to accept the draught thus the body of the document being evidently in mr haley's handwriting and the acceptance which constituted the forgery being in a feigned hand very like that of mr scriven the inference was established by the servant's evidence that henry had found the draught and used it for his own purposes the fact was that mr haley had mislaid the document for some time at a period when he first contemplated the forgery and had inquired for it anxiously till he found it in the place where he had concealed it but many other things occurred in the course of a few days to confirm the suspicions against the poor boy three five-pound notes which henry had changed in his long travelling across england found their way to the bank of england where the numbers and dates of those given upon the forged draught had been notified they were traced back from hand to hand till the chain ended with henry haley the whole of his wandering course with a very few intervals was tracked by the officer sent in pursuit of him to northumberland he was found to have been at belford at wooler at carmarthen and then to have come to london in the mail with the instinct of bloodhounds the officers pursued their inquiries got a clue at the office of the dutch consul to his further course and furnished with the necessary authority set out for rotterdam now mr haley began to tremble and mr scriven to rejoice we shall soon have him now said the latter to lady fleetwood rubbing his hands we shall soon have him now p is not a man to give up the chase till he has run down his game why i am sure henry you do not think him guilty said lady fleetwood nobody that knew him can think so and even if you did you would never wish to destroy the poor lad her brother gazed at her in utter astonishment do you wish me to think you a fool margaret he said nobody but one totally destitute of common sense can doubt his guilt well i do mr scriven replied lady fleetwood a little nettled i never pretended to any great sense and i dare say you have a great deal more but he was all his life a fine frank honourable boy and it is not into such a heart as his that a crime enters easily however even if he had done it i do not think you would be cruel enough to punish with death a mere boy like that who could not know all the criminality of the act i have nothing to do with it said mr scriven it is the law will punish him and that soon i hope else there will not be a clerk in all london who will not be forging his master's name and then pleading his youth then i trust with all my heart the law won't catch him said lady fleetwood what are a thousand pounds to you henry 
it would have been much kinder of you to have paid the money and said nothing about it mr scriven gave her a look of unutterable scorn and buttoning up his coat to keep out such ridiculous notions quitted the house he was a good deal surprised however to find that even his clearer-sighted sister lady monkton in some degree shared the views of lady fleetwood she expressed herself somewhat more cautiously perhaps but not less firmly and gave him to understand that judging from long observation of henry's character nothing would persuade her that he had been guilty of the act imputed to him then pray who was it lady monkton asked mr scriven sharply that is quite another question and one that i will not take upon me to answer replied isabella but let us drop the subject for it is a very very painful one we all loved him as if he had been one of our own relations and he could not have made himself so loved by people who saw his whole conduct if there had been anything dishonourable or disingenuous in his nature your love blinds you replied mr scriven and maria monkton who had been drawing at the other end of the room rose with tears in her eyes and went out those who did love the poor lad and they were many had soon fresh cause for grief six weeks passed without anything being heard of the officer who had gone to seek for the young fugitive not a doubt existed in his mind that the henry calvert of the dutch passport office was identical with the henry haley of bow street and having got a full account of his person and general appearance this conviction was strengthened at rotterdam where he traced him to the bath house inn he thence pursued him up the rhine to cologne where for two days he could discover no further track from his assumed name having been terribly mutilated in the books stage by stage he pursued him still sometimes indeed almost giving up the undertaking in despair but always by perseverance gaining some new clue thus to munich innsbruck trieste and venice he was lured on and there for five days remained baffled till it struck the consul that it might be as well to inquire of a celebrated veturino in mestre when they went over the man was absent with his horses and the officer had to wait another day for his return the subsequent morning however he was more fortunate his questions were answered at once ten days before the veturino said he had carried a young english lad answering exactly the description given to ancona instead of being fresh-coloured he stated that the young man was very pale but then he was ill when he quitted mestre and got worse every day till he reached ancona there the people of the inn would not take him in for by that time the youth could not hold up his head at all and not knowing what to do with him nor how to make him understand for he spoke little italian he had applied at the house of the franciscan friars where he knew there were some irish monks and they had charitably received him there the officer would find him he said and that personage without pause set out at once for ancona it was night when he reached the city but he delayed not an instant and finding that he could not get aid from the police of the place before morning he went at once with a guide to the monastery to give notice of his errand and ensure that the culprit was not suffered to escape he had some hopes indeed that the monks would give him up at once 
but nothing was opened in answer to the great bell except the small shutter over a grate in the door the porter who appeared behind was an italian but the guide could speak a little english and served as interpreter to the first question whether a young englishman of the name of henry calvert were there the monk replied he did not know and to the officer's demand of admittance returned a direct refusal the other explained his errand but it was of no avail it was contrary to the rule the good brother said and whatever was the officer's business he could not have admission at that hour the latter next demanded to speak with some of the english or irish brethren and after some hesitation the old man went away to bring one to the gate the officer had to wait fully half an hour but at length a lantern was seen coming across the court and the shaven head of an elderly man appeared behind the grating what is it you want my son he asked in english after gazing at the officer attentively as he came up i understand and that upon sufficient evidence replied the other that within this monastery you have a person named henry calvert otherwise hayley charged with forgery to a large amount i am the bearer of a warrant for his apprehension which i can show you and i demand that you deliver up his body to my custody we know nothing of english warrants here replied the monk and the gates of this convent are opened after nine to no one either to admit or to send forth go your way my son and return to-morrow if needs must be but come not without the authority of the state in which you are otherwise you will come in vain the monk was retiring but the officer called after him in somewhat civiler tones than perhaps his heart dictated saying tell me at least sir if the young man is here perhaps i should be wise to refuse an answer said the monk seeing that i know you not neither what right you have to inquire but as there are plenty ready to defend any of our just privileges i will venture to say that a lad a mere boy calling himself henry calvert is here but he is i tell you at the point of death having been brought in sick of the malignant fever which is now raging so fiercely in those parts of italy i must see him notwithstanding said the officer doggedly but the monk waited no further conference and retired from the gate the londoner and his guide walked back to the inn and as they went along through the dark and gloomy streets a slow and solemn sound the tolling of a heavy bell burst upon the ear the next morning at the earliest possible hour the officer's application was made to the police of ancona assistance was immediately given him and with his guide and a commissary of the government he returned to the monastery the outer gates were now wide open and a number of people monks and others were passing in and out at a small door of the principal building stood the old man he had seen on the preceding night and to him the commissary of police at once led the way some conversation took place between them in italian and then the monk turned to the officer saying this good man my son tells me you are duly authorized to take into your custody the lad named henry calvert otherwise you say hayley we do not resist the laws and he shall be given up to you follow me the three men followed across the court to a low wing of the building the monk preceding them with a slow and heavy step then they walked along a sort of cloister dry and sandy 
and at the fifth door on the right the old man stopped and turned a key there he is he said throwing open the door and the officer entered upon a low pallet stripped of its usual coverings lay a corpse with a few flowers strewed upon the bosom the waxy hue of the face the plain ravages of illness the closed eyes the emaciated features might make a great difference but still the colour of the hair the age the height and the general lines of the features showed the officer that there indeed before him lay all that remained of the gay frank happy boy he gazed on him for a moment or two and even he was moved in some degree when did he die he asked in a low tone last night five minutes before ten answered the monk when i returned to him after seeing you he was in the agony another pause succeeded and then the monk pointing to an english portmanteau which stood in the corner of the cells said i am ordered to give that and its contents into your custody there are besides his pocket-book containing the passport with which he travelled and some bank-notes he had also a small sum in gold and silver with him for which the convent will account to the police and the police to your own consul after the expenses of the funeral are paid can you tell me whether he was a catholic or not we are troubled about the burial i don't know i am sure replied the officer but then he added with a desire to avoid any unpleasant proceeding i dare say he was a catholic i think i have heard so then he shall have a catholic interment replied the monk and after a few more questions the officer withdrew the portmanteau was put into a hired carriage and conveyed to the inn the notes were compared with a list which the officer carried and found to correspond with seven of the numbers there inscribed and after a conference with the british consul the bow street runner took his departure from ancona saying the old monk declared there was only a small sum in gold i know there must have been a good lot if the lad did not lead a terribly riotous life as he came and of that i heard nothing there were many who wept for poor henry Haley, but there was one who felt that he had more cause to weep than all though he could not shed a tear mr Haley fell into profound melancholy from which nothing could rouse him his affairs righted themselves in a very great degree without his making an effort several of the speculations in which he had engaged proved eminently successful but they brought no comfort he walked about his house and the town like a ghost never speaking to any one but those who spoke to him and it was observed that he often talked to himself but no one heard anything escape his lips save the one solitary word murder murmured in the accents of horror and despair End of chapter 5